Well, we have um, a lot of things happening, and I'm really glad we're a part of this together. But we do want to transition into uh, the rest of our morning here and focus in on the discussion series that we've been in, this discussion series on sex. Uh, we've, we've covered a lot of ground in the last month as we've talked about this subject. If you're new to the discussion, don't worry. I think you'll be able to jump right in. Uh, but we've covered a lot of ground and thought through a number of issues regarded, regarding sex. We started, if you remember, with the talk about how sex and spirituality and God all kind of come together. Uh, then we spent a couple weeks talking about our bodies and why our bodies are important and how our bodies relate to sex. Last week, we had a conversation on intimacy. What is actually intimacy? What does it mean to be intimate with somebody, intimate in the context of family? And today, we're going to kind of try to bring it all together by talking about something that we have hinted at throughout the series, but today we're going to talk about more explicitly, okay? And this is the idea that as we look at Jesus and his teachings, Jesus and his teachings suggest very clearly that the way sex is meant to be experienced ultimately is in the context of something called marriage, something called marriage. You've probably picked up at those hints throughout the series. For some of us, that kind of makes sense. For others of us, that have probably made us a little uncomfortable. And I think it's important that we talk honestly about this subject of marriage. Um, now, let me just say really quickly off the bat that I realize that most of us in our city, most of us in this community, don't typically think of sex needing to be, sex as something that should be quote unquote done in the context of marriage. Maybe we think that, but we kind of think it's kind of an old idea perhaps. We think it's something that, sure, it works for some people, but maybe not for me or for most of us. And so I just want to acknowledge that as we talk about this, I think many of us in the room are like, well, that's a nice idea but I don't currently believe that or think that or even practice that. And I want to acknowledge that, hey, that's, that's fine. I'm glad we're here to talk about it. The second thing I want to say as we jump into this topic is that sex and marriage sometimes can be talked about in, in incorrect ways that are ultimately unhelpful. For example, some people think this is going to be a talk about boundaries, right? And there's nothing wrong with boundaries on one hand. Boundaries are a good thing, right, in, in some ways. The boundaries allows you to have some fun, have some order. I, I think about football, it's coming up, the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if you've ever played football like out, you know, out in the, on the street for fun or in the park for fun, but have you ever tried to play football without rules, without boundaries? It's kind of a pain. It, it gets really boring really quick, right? Like, it's not fun. Especially those of you who've played football, you're like, this is so stupid. What do you mean there's no out of bounds? How can we make a play? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So boundaries, on one hand, is helpful to actually have fun. It's, it, it, it's kind of a part of things. But at the same time, boundaries can be often misused, especially when we talk about sex or misunderstood. So, I mean, as a pastor, for example, as someone who helps people spiritually, I've had people say, like, oh, you know, it's okay that, is it okay that we have oral sex or anal sex, but not, like, vaginal sex? Like, is, are, are we just talking about vaginal sex and that's fine? 
or not fine, and then we can have all that. It's like, whoa, whoa, why are we even thinking like that? That's just weird, I think, number one. But we're not talking about those weird, arbitrary rules, okay? Sex is not, as we talk about sex, it's not meant to be uh, talked as with, with those arbitrary rules, okay? And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit later. And then last but not least, I want to say, as we talk about this idea of marriage and sex, what we're not saying is that this is something that guarantees that, oh, man, if you can just wait to be married, you're going to have a great sex life. Yeah, some of you are laughing because you've been married and you're wondering, like, oh, is that, is that really how it's supposed to work? We're not saying that, okay? This is, this is not, not a thing like, oh, you're going to have the best sex. You can just wait to get married, okay? So that's not what we're saying. So what are we talking about then? Well, we're going to get started with the video, actually, um, and hear from one of our own, uh, Reggie, actually, and his journey about sex and how he has thought about this and how God has brought him through this. Reggie, unfortunately, couldn't be with us today, uh, so he uh, recorded a quick video uh, about his journey with sex. Pay attention to it, and then we'll uh, launch in from here. All right? I live in Highland Park, and um, I'll talk to you guys about my journey through sex. My journey through sex probably started... I would say high school. Um, that's when a lot of my friends were starting to lose their virginity and, and chase after, okay, who's gonna, be, who's gonna be the first one to lose their virginity? And for me, um, I've never been a guy who you know went from girl to girl to girl. I was always a relationship type of person. Um, so I remember being in high school and then I was, like, I was dating someone and I remember having the thought in my head like, okay, I, I heard that God wants us to wait before, wait till we're married to have sex, but like, that's really old and outdated and, and I'm not gonna do that. Like, I don't think I'm doing that at all. Plus all my friends were doing it. All my friends were going out there and they were having sex. So, so I was like, okay, like this is my turn. Like I wanna do this as well. So I was dating someone in high school and um, ended up having sex with them. That was my first um, experience having sex. Um, as time went on, um, especially when I got to college, um, you know, being a football player in college, um, that's something that it's talked about in the locker room. Okay, which girl, which guy sleeping with this girl? So I was just, I was really around that culture too, as well. And I remember my freshman year, um, freshman year we're going out one night, um, ended up sleeping with one girl. And that was very unlike me as well. Um, I never really had like a one night stand type thing before. But I remember me being a relationship type of person, like I was very, it was not like me. Um, I was, that was something that I wanted more from. But I didn't know this is just sex and that's it. That was just very surprising to me because I've always been a relationship type person. The biggest reason why um, through my journey with sex is I didn't really understand why God wanted us to wait. And that took me uh, a lot of mistakes and experience to figure out that why. And it all started with a relationship I had um, my freshman year of college. So my freshman year of college, I'm, I'm dating this girl that is from my hometown. Um, you know, I've known this girl since I was like fifth grade and I, I tried to date her so many times throughout middle school and high school, but it just never worked. Um, but I guess somehow and when I got to college, um, things just end up working out and, and we're dating, but also this is a time I'm really growing in my faith for the first time. Um, I grew up in the church, um, but I really didn't, uh, have an understanding of what the Bible meant, um, until I got to college. So as time goes on, um, I'm not having sex with this girl, but we're doing other things, but I'm also growing my faith as well. And I go to this, uh, Mission trip my freshman year um, to help rebuild houses for people who couldn't afford it in Memphis. It was a great, it was a great project. I loved doing it. Um, but the biggest thing I got from the from the trip was that there was about 200 other uh, 
college students my age that were really seemed like they were living it out. Um, really seemed like they were really sold out for God in, in each and every area of their life. And I, when, I, when I got there, it was very overwhelming for me. Um, I've never been around Christians who were my age before, really just living it out. And I was like, wow, this is something that I want my life to look like. Because for me, you know, I was, I was a Christian on Sundays growing up, but Monday through Saturday was a completely different um, Reggie, completely different person I was acting like. Um, but seeing, seeing these, these uh, college students my age, 18, 19 years old, who, who really wanted to just to give it all for Christ, it's like, wow, this is what I want. So I remember leaving that, leaving that trip and I was saying, God, like what, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want my life to look like, like I, I surrender it all, I give it all to you. Um, cause that, that joy that those, the other students had, like, that's what, that's what I wanted. So I remember coming back from the trip and I was talking to my girlfriend about it how great it was. And I was like, I think I want to wait till I'm married to have sex. Like, I think that's, that's what I want to do. And she was kind of just like, uh, okay. Um, yeah, let, let's talk about that. And I just remember being like, yeah, I think that's, that's what I want to do. And she really didn't understand it that much as well, as well. And as time went on, like we were getting really close to that line of having sex. And I remember just, just being so just distraught because I'm like, I really want to honor God, but like, I really love this girl. Like, I really love this girl. But so like, what do I do? And I, I fought it for a while. I was like talking to um, the guy who discipled me, discipling me when I was out in uh, University of Pittsburgh about it. And he was giving me some wisdom, but I still didn't know what to do. Um, I wanted to honor God, but I didn't want to lose this girl at the same time. So me being um, a very mature and wise 19 year old at the time, I said, well, I'm not gonna know if it's wrong or not unless I do it. Um, so I ended up having sex with her and I'm sleeping with her. And I was like, okay, this, I don't know if this is wrong or not, I don't know. But after a while, um, that one time became two times and that came three times. And after a while I was like, okay, like this is what I'm gonna do. Like, I'm just gonna have sex, God, like this is where I'm at. And I remember at the time, yeah, I would like, we would be sleeping together, but then also like I'm reading my Bible and I'm still going to church. And I still didn't see like how this was wrong, but I just felt like, hey, like God, this is this is what I'm doing right now. Like, I love this person. Like, why do I need to wait? That November, this is my sophomore year of college. That November, um, I'm like watching a sermon on TV, which like I never do. You know, like those sermons that are on like, um, like one of those random channels, like during the week. And I, I was watching one of them and the pastor was talking about um, sex before marriage and how that's like a sin before God. And like, I couldn't turn away from the TV. Like I wanted to flip the channel, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Um, and I just felt this, this conviction down in my heart. So I was like, okay, like God, I, I know what you're saying. Like, I have to stop. If that means I break up with this girl, okay. But I, I have to stop. But then, you know, me, me being the smart 20 year old that I am, I was like, well, Christmas is coming up and I'm going home to see her for Christmas and I don't want to ruin it her Christmas. So uh, I'll just do this two more times at Christmas and then I'll be done. Um, so that happened at Christmas. Well, when I came home again in January, I remember I was like, no, like th this is it. Like this is, I have to tell her this. And I ended up telling her like, hey, I, I, I need to stop having sex. I can't, I want to do this anymore. Um, I know that may mean we're going to break up, but I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. So we ended up breaking up. And that's when I really understood why God wanted us to wait, because our breakup was very, very messy. Um, it took us about, I would say, a little over a year to fully separate from each other. 
Um, so there was still like this bond that was created. And I think it's because we had sex. I think if we never had sex, the breakup would have been hard. Yes, I think it would have been pretty tough. But I don't think it would have been as hard as it was because we had sex. One thing someone told me before is that when two people have sex, it's like gluing two pieces of paper together. And when you rip those two pieces of paper apart, there's always going to be pieces of that other paper on that on the other paper. So once I heard that, that made so much sense to me. And it started, I started to realize how unhealthy it was. Um, yeah, because I we go home and we use each other just for, for our physical connection and for emotional connection. So that was in 2014. Um, and if you flash, uh, I flash forward about five years later. Um, each year, I always, I always try to keep a tally of how many years it's been. So it's been five years since I've had sex. So man, I realized why God wants us to wait. The fact that He wants us that sexual bond to be have was just us and my us and my future wife. And he wants that to be something that it's just experience between us and my wife. Because um, now when, when I get married, whenever I get married, I'm bringing um, the people that I've slept with into the picture. And then my future wife, whoever that is, she's also bringing um, the people that she's been with um, into the picture if she's had sex as well. Um, so that's when, you know, things like comparison happens or you start to uh, see yourself, hey, am I going to um, amount up to the guys that this person has been with or the girl can say, hey, like, what if I'm a virgin? He's not. Um, am I ever going to amount to the girls he's been with? And it's this all this comparison and that God never wanted us to experience. So that's that's a little bit about my uh, my story, my my journey of sex. And um, yeah, like that's that's it. <laughs> yeah, when you see Reggie next week, make sure you say thanks for the video, Reggie. Um, so real quick, before we go on, let's. Take a quick moment, turn to your neighbor, and uh, just really quick, what, I mean, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What do you think about this issue of sex in marriage? Well, let's, let's have a quick debrief before we jump into the actual teachings of Jesus on this, okay? Take about one minute, talk about it together. Yeah, do you agree, disagree? Why, why not? Now, as you wrap up your thoughts, um, I want you to take a quick moment with me here. And imagine something with me if you can, okay? Maybe you, want, you might want to close your eyes and imagine this or, you know, just kind of stare off into a certain uh, direction and imagine this. But I want you to imagine, imagine a world where you are expected to have sex with at least three type of people. Just imagine a world with me, okay? Imagine a world where sex and marriage are something you only do for proper lineage, proper descendants, okay? You, you have sex with the person you're married to just because you need people to properly carry your name uh, down the family line. It's expected, of course, that you would have sex for pleasure with other people, perhaps officially, maybe you have a concubine, perhaps unofficially, you are an owner of slaves or servants, and you're allowed, in fact, expected to have sex with them. But you're also expected to have sex just to make life work for you, for your betterment. You're expected to have sex as part of how you advance into good standing, whether it be with the gods or with society. That is the world, according to 
many historians that have studied this, that's the sort of world the message of Jesus came into when Jesus first came some 2,000 years ago. In the Roman and Greek world of the time, it was expected that sex was something you engaged with, engage in with at least three types of people. It's kind of interesting because I think in many ways we kind of live in a society where it's the same way too. We have sex perhaps in a marriage context because, well, we want people to carry our name. But we kind of live in a world where it's expected that, hey, if you want to have a little more, and it's okay to have a little more, you can have an affair, you can just have whatever outside the context of marriage. Maybe you're not married yet, you just kind of have sex for pleasure with whoever you want. And then there's this also, also other thing where you kind of have sex for advancement. I know those of you in high school and even middle school nowadays, uh, you, you kind of have sex to get a certain social ranking in that system. Those of you who have certain work situations or are part of certain family systems, you, you sometimes are expected to have a one-night stand just to show something about yourself to move up a sort of ladder. In many ways, we live in a very similar world where sex is something that well, we have with many different types of people and for many different sorts of reasons. And so Jesus enters into this world some 2,000 years ago, and you can imagine as Jesus enters in and begins to talk about, hey, I have a better way. I have a better way of understanding life. I have a better way of living life to the most fulfilling degree. You could imagine that Jesus would have something to say about sex. And so I think it's important as we enter into the scriptures of Jesus this morning that we realize that Jesus is coming in and saying something that I don't think is ignorant or old-fashioned, but is very relevant to how we experience sex even today, some 2,000 years later. Let's take a look. The excerpt is on your tables today. And this comes from a part of the scriptures of Jesus called Corinthians. This was written to early Jesus followers in this uh, Roman city uh, with a Greek name by this, uh, of course, but a Roman city where sex was just, just like how I des described, okay? Notice how this author talks about sex. He starts with some quotations and he says this, I have the right to do anything. He's kind of quoting the common feeling of the day in that city. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. Basically, he's saying, you guys have this idea that, you know what, our bodies... Yeah, they're important and all this stuff, but really, it's really about our souls. Our bodies have, they come and go, it's no big deal. The body, however, he continues, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, let's hit pause really quick, make sure we understand what's going on. Sexual immorality, I don't know what that conjures up in your mind, uh, but... Typically, I think those of us 
who maybe grew up religious, we think, oh, this, this means this, we're talking about like bad forms of sex or violent sex or just kind of quote-unquote gross sex. I don't, I don't think he's talking about that, actually. I think the term actually technically means sex outside of how God designed it, okay, at, at its base level. So don't read this as like talking about some quote-unquote gross version of sex. We're just talking about sex outside of how God meant it. And so he says this, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Really quick, pause. I don't know what comes into your mind when you think of prostitute. Again, I think in our culture, in our society, we think of some seedy, sort of hidden, illegal sort of form of sex. Uh, back then, in this context, prostitution sex was a part of advancement spiritually. It was literally a part of the religious, social way of getting favor with the gods, getting ahead in life. It's kind of like our version of one-night stands, to be honest. It's not something illegal or seedy or weird. It's kind of how they just did sex. It's the third expectation of sex back in that culture. And so shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, who you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, I don't know how this comes off to you, this excerpt, but I have a feeling that for some of us in this room, this comes off as pretty harsh, pretty like condemning perhaps, pretty restrictive, pretty oppressive even. I've tried to already begin to share a little bit about the context of when this came in some 2,000 years ago to help us understand, but let me kind of take some time really quickly and process it some more with us here so that we understand, we hear what this is actually trying to say. Because I don't think this is trying to tell us, hey, just be moral people, or hey, just follow this rigid, rigid kind of definition of what sex is or sex isn't. There's something more here that we need to be understood, that we need to understand. Notice in the first paragraph how the, the thinking that this paragraph gives us is that the thinking is that you and I, if Jesus is starting to be a part of our lives, the first thing it's, it's trying to hint at is that Jesus now is actually somehow involved with how we use our bodies. You get that very clearly in the second paragraph, right? This idea that, well, if Jesus is, like if we're surrendering our life to Jesus, right, our, our bodies somehow aren't our own anymore. They're, 
They belong to him. In fact, they're temples of God, right? That's what it says. But notice the logic in the first paragraph of how this begins to build. He says in the middle there, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Okay, that's interesting. My body is meant for God. And then he kind of takes it deeper. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. What he's referring to is this idea that if we gave our lives over to God and to Jesus, don't forget, Jesus was raised from the dead, meaning God had control over Jesus' body and gave it new life and power. And guess what? God is wanting to do the same with us. He's wanted to raise our bodies with new life and new power. Now, if this is the case, the logic continues, don't you know then that you and I are members, our bodies are members of Christ? Meaning, my hand, my foot, my sexual parts, my face, as I'm uniting my life with Jesus, as I'm giving him more and more control, this hand somehow becomes Jesus' hand. This face becomes Jesus' face. This body, my sexual organs, somehow become Jesus' body parts. And then notice how the logic goes, right? Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute or have a one-night stand? His logic is kind of this. Wait a second. Okay, so if we're living for Jesus or at least surrendering our lives over to Jesus... If you just go have a one-night stand, it's like you're taking the hand of Jesus into the bedroom and having the one-night stand. Like Jesus is having the one-night stand with you as you're having the one-night stand. That's his logic. And it, what he's trying to do is he's just trying to get us to think, to take a pause and think through like, wait a second, what does it mean for us to actually give our lives over to Jesus? What are the actual implications? What, what are the ramifications? This isn't about, oh, you should save sex for marriage. This is about Jesus. But what happens when we say yes to Jesus? You know, I love Reggie's story because I think Reggie's story illustrated that process, right? It's a process for all of us, let's be honest. But I love how Reggie was going through that process and in his, in his own mind, he's like, Wait, I think I want to love Jesus, give my life to Jesus. I really love this girl. I read the Bible. I'm having sex. Like, how does this work out? And it took him some time to process and realize, oh my goodness. Wow. If I'm really going to give my life to Jesus, that means like even my sex life belongs to Jesus. And then what the author does, is, I think is really interesting because the author then, his second point of logic is this. Don't you know that he who unites himself with the prostitute, again, read it in context, he who just has these one-night stands that's socially advanced, he or she is, you're uniting as one in, in body with them, for it is said the two will become one flesh. What is he trying to say? Well, if you remember all of our previous talks, uh, we looked at Genesis 2, which is printed now in the bottom half of the sheet, as one of the primary places where the scriptures of Jesus began to tell us about sex. And we learned there that sex was something that united us as one in the deepest of ways with people. 
Now, in that context, if you read Genesis 2, you can read it on your own there, it's described as something belonging in marriage, right? The, the words husband and wife are used. And so it's something belonging in marriage. But what the first excerpt is saying is like, well, guess what? Even though you don't get married in the one-night stand, that bond you have is something that is as deep as marriage. It's this one flesh sort of act. Now, I know, I realize that back then and probably today, we don't view sex that way. Uh, again, I think back on Reggie's story about his, his, his first one night stand in college. He's like, wait, I, I kind of wanted more. And like, that's it? And if you talk to him about it, it's, it's kind of funny because I think he asked the girl like, wait, that, that's like it? We can't keep going? She's like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> it's kind of a funny moment, I think. Um, but, but that's not how it was meant to be. Like, there's this thing about sex, and I think we've talked about this, this the last few weeks, where it's meant to be this deeper and richer experience. And because it is so deep and rich, the heart of God is to say, you know what, I would love for that to be in the context of love, of a commitment that matters that takes care of you and I, that helps you and I to be fully known and fully loved. And so I hope you, I hope you hear this, that this is a, a passage as we continue to think about sex and our own journeys, that God is interested in our sex lives from a lot of different angles. We've talked about the many different angles already in this series, but in this last conversation, I hope you hear that He is hoping that we can have the best. And in His mind, as He is encouraging us towards Jesus and towards Jesus' place in our lives and this grand design of sex, that God is actually on our side wanting us to have something good. I want you to turn to your neighbors again, and again, let's take a moment. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What questions do you have? What disagreements, again, do you have? Let's take about two minutes to process this together. And so as, as we think about this, and, and really think through, you know, uh, our whole conversation series. So, so we've spent, uh, we've had five weeks talking about sex. And, um, and this final talk, like the other talks, uh, our hope is to just start the conversation. You know, we're not, we're not trying to finalize anything in many ways about sex and, and, and the discoveries along the way that we all have to make as it relates to sex and spirituality and all those sorts of things. Uh, we, we hope that these conversations here give us something to process along the way. And so I want to just make that clear, okay? Because I, you know, I, I, I want to just make clear that here at Ethnos, we really do believe we, we are on a journey. And, and I, I would hate it if you, like, think about this talk from Jesus' scriptures and realize, you know what, well, that's not me right now, or I just can't do that, 
and then you think like, well, I guess God isn't for me, or spirituality isn't for me, or ethnos isn't for me. I hope you don't, I hope you don't take that away from this talk. I hope you can take away this idea that we, like Reggie, well, we're trying to figure this out together. And I hope you can see that it really hinges on not sex and the boundaries of sex. Really, it's really hinging on Jesus. Like, is Jesus real? Is Jesus a person we should consider as one who guides our lives, who speaks into our life, who controls our life? Right? This, this whole excerpt, right, this whole passage hinges on that. I mean, if Jesus isn't real, if, if Jesus isn't the one for us, then, like, why bother having sex with these constraints? Pretty simple. And so our hope here, really at Ethnos, is that we become a place not defined by necessarily, oh, this is how Ethnos thinks about sex. This is how I have to have my sex life and want to be a part of Ethnos. This is what the city should be like with these sexual boundaries or those sexual boundaries. No, 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 no. It, it's much deeper than that. It's ultimately about Jesus. And if he is the one worthy to guide our lives. Can you join me in a final word of prayer? God, we are thankful for this time. We're thankful for this conversation that we've had uh, throughout this series on sex. Uh, we ask that you continue to guide us. Uh, we long to be, as a community, a healthy place, a holistic place, as a city, a healthy city, and a holistic city. And we know that healthy and helpful understandings of sex are part of that. So guide us as a community, guide us as a city, as we continue to process and engage with what you have. Thank you so much. We give ourselves to you. We give this time to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.